Welcome back to Talking Travel on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined here for a Friday afternoon with Sally Lucas. How are we going, Sally? Great, Greg. And I'm in a reflective mood today. Right. Well, we didn't get to Antarctica last week, did no, we? No. And, and that's why I, I am reflecting on that now, because I just realised on driving out here today that it's 20 years next month since we did our trip to Antarctica. And I mean, that is amazing. I cannot believe it was 20 years ago. 20 years doesn't feel like a long time, though. But when you... No. Well, I mean, two decades, it's nothing, you, you think. Yeah. And I mean, our son was 40. And he's 34 now, so you know, it was 20 years yeah. ago. But I just thought I'd talk about it because back then you only had a couple of very small vessels that went down there. They were icebreakers, often Russian, etc., who yep. were very knowledgeable with obviously icy conditions and yeah. icebergs and all that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff, which you need them to be. And I thought about, you know, we need to talk maybe when you're thinking about a cruise to Antarctica, think about the company you wish to travel with and what style of cruising because. What I'm saying we did, which I loved, was expedition-style cruising. We only had a small vessel. It was just over 9,000 tonnes. Right, yeah. So a bit, bit small to bit do the small. Drake Passage, but we, yeah. had a reason, <laughs> we had a reasonably smooth sailing, so we were lucky. Um, and only 54 passengers. How beautiful. Yeah. And out of 54 passengers, we had 13 nationalities. Really? Wow. Israelis, that's... French, you know, Canadian, New Zealand, American, Australian, yep. uh, from Singapore, you know. That's so, a nice mixed bag. Oh, it was, it was wonderful. And there were people from all ages of, of life. I was worried about taking our son at only 14, you know, because I think yep. it'll be mainly older people. Yep. But of course, it's not a cheap trip even back then. Like, it's still a relatively expensive trip because of all the conditions, of course, that the ships have to do to get you down there safely yep. and so on. But, yeah, we were lucky one grandma had taken her... 15-year-old. Oh, I see. Yeah, you know, and yeah. she said once they, each grandchild was 15, she took them on a special holiday. And she was from Broken Hill. Right, right, yeah, that's a yeah. big trip, really. And, and she ran a, like an old, um, what do you call it, um, like a step-day shop, I call it. But you yes. know what I mean? Sold it. Bits and pieces of everything because yep. people break down. They're doing their trip across Australia and they'd come to her for a bit of this yep. or a part for that. And she was an amazing lady. And um, yeah, so we had everyone and we had, you know, some people in their 20s, 30s, you know, right up to people in their, in their 70s. Um, New Zealand, uh, we were in the kitchen, New Zealand crew and all the other rest of the staff were, were Russian. And it was just the most incredible experience. And it still is to this day my most memorable experience of anything I've ever done. So think about it. Look, if you're going on a large vessel, you've got to remember how many people are on that vessel. Now, if you're on a vessel that takes, for example, 2,000 people, you're not all going to be getting off at once. So there's only so many Zodiacs that are allowed shore at any one time. And ships can't be near each other, like you can't be anchored near another vessel. So it's got to be plotted and really worked out the itinerary Mm -hmm. as to which ship is where. So you're not going to get as much time ashore. But funnily enough, people say, oh, but what do you do ashore? You know, it's only all ice. Well, sure it is. But but you've got the animals and the birds, you know, or you're watching the, the, the whales or the dolphins or you – the, the penguins are just fascinating, you know, to watch the penguins. So the seals, etc. So you're, you're there in their environment and you're not allowed to take anything ashore, like you must, not even the tissue in your pocket because they cannot risk yep. anything being left behind. Um, and even the smallest bit of lichen might be like a 20-cent piece or a 50-cent piece. That might have taken 20 years because it's the coldest, windiest, iciest, yep. <laughs> most barren place on earth. So anything that grows there, you've got to be extremely careful and you know you have onboard lecturers that advise you of all this sort of thing. So if you're wanting to really have that quality of time ashore, which I can assure you is definitely worthwhile, mm-hmm. the smaller the vessel, the better, obviously. Yep. The larger the vessel, yeah, you're going to have more onboard facilities, 
all, all the glitz and the glamour on board, but you're not going to get as much time ashore. Yep. And to me, that is what was the most in- incredible part of what we did. Yep. And um, it's also kind of the point of going down there as well, isn't it? The well, well, well absolutely. As much as you can. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, as I said, a two and a half thousand or compared to now, most of them, the polar pioneer we went on, it doesn't go down there anymore, but it actually is doing cruising up in the Arctic now. So you can still go on a small vessel up there yep. and they've done a bit of a refurb on it and brought it up today. But these days, you'll get on a vessel that might be about 126 or 148, which is still great. You know, but two, two thousand, two and a half thousand, that's mm. not my cup of tea. No. There's horses that's, for courses, I know, horses for to, horses, whatever it is. Yeah. It's a lot of people to smile and say hello at every morning, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Put your happy face on. <laughs> but like on board, the temperature is controlled. So you could just, you know, be, be comfortable on board. They usually keep the temperature sitting around 22, 23 degrees. Um, if you're going ashore, of course, we were lucky. We only had one day where the wind picked up and we couldn't go ashore on the Zodiacs because they can't put you at risk, of course. Mm -hmm. Hypothermia would be very quick. Um, (laughs) And, of course, you can do options now, like you can snow camp, which was available even then. One night they they dig out hollows in the snow. Apparently you're quite warm. They have these special sleeping bags and you can actually sleep. Oh, wow, sis. Yeah. You can climb. You can do a climb of one of the the, the peaks. You can kayak, which my son and husband did. Mm. Um, You can... Do the polar plunge where you just jump in for about two seconds, jump out, and you're shivering. I imagine two seconds would be the limit. <laughs> Our son did that. Neither of us did. He was a, he was a silly one, and he had his first well, the first that I know of alcoholic drink where they gave everyone a whiskey for achieving it. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> a tot of whiskey once they got out of the water, try and warm them up. But it is the most brilliant thing you will ever do in your life. If it's on your bucket list, certainly do it. Yep. But look into it. Talk to your travel agent. Think about how you would like to do it. If you're more an adventuresome person, I would suggest the smaller vessel. If it's more about just seeing it, having that lovely life on board, well, you might suit the more upmarket larger vessel. But just really think about how you want to do it. Because to me, it's one of the most brilliant things you will ever do. Right. So you want to do it right. It's a lot of money. You want to make sure you're doing it the way you want to do it. Right. Antarctica, a place to go. Absolutely. The white continent that is just brilliant. When we come back, we'll talk about, well, we'll have a bit of a Latin theme, I guess. We are. We're going to Cuba. It's Talking Travel on 2NURFM. Greg Richard joined with Sally Lucas and we've just went to the Antarctica, but now we're a bit more Latin. It's a, a little, bit of, little it's bit a, different, it's a little bit different, a little bit hotter. It's definitely a flip of the coin here. <laughs> it is. And it's been, of course, I've been in this reflective mood, as I mentioned to you, Greg, earlier, that this trip again that I did to, to Cuba was also almost the same you know, as long ago as yep. the Antarctic right, yeah. one. So, But I don't think talking to people that have been you know, more recently, mm. it really hasn't changed all that much. Okay. Because it's such a poor country yep. and because tourism has been restricted for, for many years, yep. um, they don't have the money or the infrastructure, which in one way to me is a good thing because the old part of Havana is just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the buildings are crumbling, but they've still got character and yep. you've got the cobblestone streets and you have this lady, I don't know whether she's still alive, because when I went there, she looked ancient. So, uh, you know, she might be 100 now because I think, yeah, we're, her name was Graciela Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. And she was famous. She's been photographed by so many people. And she always used to charge a US dollar. You yep. didn't, you weren't allowed to do <laughs> yeah. it for nothing. She had this big fat cigar in her mouth. And she'd sit all dressed up with the hair and the looking like Carmen Miranda. And she had big gappy smile. And she'd sit outside a lot of the times this uh, former Hemingway haunt, because Hemingway loved it. Lot, lots of really famous people loved Cuba back in the early days before it became restricted before you know Castro and the yep. war etc etc when, et when the mafia were in charge yes <laughs> well you know Frank Sinatra he was part of 
the rat, rat Pack and all yeah. that. They all used to go down there, Marilyn Munro, the whole lot. But anyway, Hemingway did as well, and he used to love this bar called La Bo- uh, Bodeguita del Medio. And this is where she would often be found sitting outside because everyone would want to go to Hemingway's bar yep. and, you know, just yeah, yeah. go to the haunts that where these people went. So I'm not sure whether Graciela is still alive, but she was amazing or whether anyone has taken her place. But it's just the most incredible place. You've probably seen photos, Greg, or our listeners have where it's still all the old cars, all the old Americans, yeah, yeah. whether they're Buicks or whatever, Chevys. So all these cars in bright, often they're pink or pale blue. You know, so you've got this incredible old cars going down the street or they call it the Malacon, Malacon which is the... Um, the walled area around the harbour, which is a beautiful walk. You can go around this this area. But everywhere you go, like, music is their passion, mm-hmm. absolute passion. So you could just be sitting in a little bar somewhere on a plaza and there'll be music always coming from yep. somewhere in someone's house, someone's just playing in the street. You know, it, it's it's just their passion. And it's just wonderful to feel it because they don't earn a lot of money. They have free education. Yep. Um, Food is just made for themselves, like I mean, you know, grown just for their own country yep. because it's, it, you know, there's a limit. Um, but their their wages are extremely low because they just they can't afford it, which is why they give them the free education yep. and, and free medical. Um, you know, even when we were there twenty years ago, our guides were he was a, a lecturer in English at the university teaching people English, and his wife was a pharmacist. They had both given up their jobs. So there was a big drain, brain drain happening then, which yep. I'm sure it might still be, because we used to give them a tip, and there were 10 of us in our group, right? We give them a dollar US mm-hmm. each a day. Yeah. That's nothing to us, is it? No, it's nothing. So that was yet. 10 US dollars each to them. That was 20 US dollars. And they usually only got 10 US dollars a month really? pay wow. each. Yeah. So they could earn that a day, mm. which was getting them ahead, even though they had to give up their professions. So people were coming into tourism, even though it wasn't fully, you know, really back in, in full swing, but they were still doing that. So it's, I still think it wouldn't have changed much there. I'm imagining that the, the, the shabby chic is, is still there <laughs> and, and that yeah, it's vibrant, it's contagious. The people are friendly and welcoming. You know, the food is great, which is interesting as well. Um, yeah, so I just think it's still a bit awkward to get there, but, you know, I would love people to go there before it changes too much. Yeah. I remember ages ago I tried to look up to how to get to Cuba and it was there's a lot of different crossover for the stop. Well, yeah, well, we went to LA, then we went down to Jamaica because you couldn't get in from America. Yep. Um, you've always been able to get in via Canada though, so you can go via Toronto and down. Yeah. So there there are ways that, that you can get, get, get there. there. Yep. Um, when COVID hit and of course a lot of the flights, things weren't going too well. Yep. At one stage you could go in via, and I haven't looked at that recently, Greg, but you could go in via Santiago, but I'm not sure in Chile whether that's even opened up again yet or not. Right. But yes, yeah, so going through the US can still be a bit of a, a, a worry because Trump didn't agree with opening up Cuba and all that sort of thing. Yep. So things have sort of stalled a bit for a while. But as a country, like I, we went up in, into the hills, we went to where they grow tobacco, where they grew some wine, you know, went to some beautiful old towns that, again, were just so gorgeous. You know, I, in my memory, I can just picture the photos still, you know, yep. it, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, I only had about eight or nine days there, but, and that's probably enough, you know, you're not going to do all of Cuba in that time, but certainly we did the the highlights or the main parts. So if that's, 
on your bucket list, I suggest you look into that one as well. Either that or Antarctica or both. <laughs> well, why not do both? Do one one year and do the other next year. Exactly. If or can. if you go and you go overseas every two years, which is usually what we usually do, yeah. except yeah. again for COVID, we'd usually do an overseas trip every second yeah. year and an Aussie trip in between. Right. So, yeah, you know, add them to your list because I think you'll be absolutely blown away by both of them. I was going to say something in Spanish, but I don't know any Spanish words. Esta la vista. <laughs> <laughs> Hola. <laughs> Sorry, Greg. Cerveza, I think, is another one. Or? Cerveza, that's a beer. Cerveza. You, you know that one, Vino. I, I mean, Vino and Cerveza, you can't go wrong. I'm sorted then. Off to Cuba, I go. Yep. It's Talking absolutely. Travel on 2 and URFM. We'll be back with some hot deals. Welcome back to Talking Travel on 2 and URFM. So, Lucas, wrapping it up with a couple of hot deals for us. Absolutely. And we were talking about, you know, smaller groups earlier, Greg, and I think it's always nice to travel in a smaller group if you can these days. Yep. And I think since COVID, a lot of people feel safer in a yep. smaller group as well, which which is nice. And, you know, again, even if you're on a bus tour or anything, it's, it's less hassle getting on and off the bus if you're only getting... 12 or 20 people off. It's a lot of difference to 40 or 50 people. So um, Bunnick Tours, which is an Australian company based in Adelaide, they do a range of small group tours to just about anywhere in the world. Um, They've got a lot of 2024, even up to 25 dates now available. Um, One area they do quite well is near Cuba, of course, we were talking about, but South America, Mexico, all those areas, you know, Peru, they've got a whole range of wonderful itineraries there. Maximum group sizes only 20, and they've got great savings. And, And the good thing about what they do they include the airfare so it saves you hassling and trying to work out the best way to get there they've already worked it out for you it's all beautiful all done and it's all done in your package i think that's lovely you know one one payment done it's also it's one stress out the way as well oh absolutely absolutely and with there they they include all the sightseeing and also you know a lot of local um, sightseeing as well and local experiences no hidden extras tips even are included course on most of these tours you do have to tip your tour guide or your driver or whatever so that's all included so I say they've got the South American area they've also got African adventure dates available and they only take 12 on those Oh, so that nice. you could, yeah, so you can really discover. They go like to Madagascar. What a wonderful island! We'll mm. talk about that another time. It's a fascinating place to go to. It's like you're one of the oldest civilizations with, as far as unusual animals, you know, with yep. all the different types That's of lemurs and all that. You know, really incredible. They do Egypt, Kenya, Zanzibar, Kruger to Cape Town, Kenya and Tanzania, Botswana, Victoria Falls, whole range of itineraries there. Again, like I said before, everything's included. Um, so that is great. Now, if you're looking to do something really adventure-based. The other company is Intrepid, and you've got to be Intrepid sometimes to do some of their trips because that does require a bit of effort. So depending on your level of fitness, of course, but they do have different levels depending yep. on what your, your level of fitness is. Of, yes. Yeah, but Sri Lanka has become the really one of the most popular destinations for people yeah, to really? travel to at the moment. And everyone who's been just comes back saying, wow, you know, the, again, the food, the people. Yep. It's been absolutely fantastic. So they've got a range of... Um, departures for next year with lots of really fabulous discounts. They've whacked quite a few hundred dollars off. Um, And again, they only take 12 people as well. Um, There's a 15-day Best of Sri Lanka, and it's an incredible itinerary. Um, I would avoid going October to January or May to August because that's the two different monsoon seasons that you have in Sri Lanka. So you're best to go between, say, uh, April and... um, December rather to, to April, and they've got departures next year in April starting from around $3,000. And again, it's sort of nearly everything's included, but you do have to add your airfare to that one. Right, okay. okay. Um, now, Europe, we haven't talked Europe, but again, 
Viking cruises, they've got some wonderful itineraries doing the Rhine, which people love to do. There is a 15 days, we, a lot of people do, the one that goes all the way from Amsterdam to Budapest. But if you haven't got all that time, they've got a lovely couple of eight-day itineraries. So you might only have a smaller window on top of doing your other touring that you're doing whilst you're there. So they've got an eight-day Amsterdam to Basel in Switzerland, which is a beautiful itinerary. And Basel's just the most gorgeous town where you finish up. Yep. And also one uh, in France going from Avignon to Lyon or vice versa. So they've got some savings there as well. Lots of savings of up to 2000 per couple so long as you book by 30 November. And just good old Aussie, um, Outback Spirit have got a range of fabulous itineraries for next year. Cape York Wilderness Adventure, which is 13 days. Leichhardt Savannah Expedition. So these are really great itineraries within our own country. Red Centre Spectacular with the GAN, a Central Australian Explorer. Arnhem Land, that's a fabulous one that goes um, from Nullumbi at Gove all the way across the uh, top of Australia and doing a lot of Aboriginal settlements and etc as well which is fantastic and one of them even does Seven Spirit Bay which we went to again reflective again <laughs> many years ago and on the Coburg Peninsula and that is just one of the most stunning parts of the top end of Australia. So lots of savings to be had there and they all vary depending on the duration of the itinerary subject to being available until sold out. So basically, get in early and you'll get your discount. As always, get in early. Get in as quick as you can. Absolutely. If you know that you're doing this, you've got your holidays planned, you know your dates, you know when you're going, if you're working, you know when your leave is, or even if you're retired, you know, you've worked out when you want to get away, please get in early because the airfares are still can be very difficult to get, um, especially over any of the busy periods, like you can imagine, like our Christmas, New Year, yep. school holiday times, etc. or when you're going to Europe... That June, July, August time, of course, which their is their summer. summer. Yep. yep, it's always very busy there as well. So the earlier, the better. Right. So, Lucas, thank you very much. We'll Thanks, Greg. Catch you again next Friday. Certainly will. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>